Greetings, fellow visitors. This is Upgrade Terminal, a Star of Providence fancast. I'm Malachi. And I'm Nick. Welcome back to the facility. Hello, Nick. Hello. What's something nice that happened to you this week? Well, so for a little bit of added personal context, I won't I won't give any details or information about it, but I have been dealing with some rough stuff in my personal life in the past couple, two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. And one of the uh, consequences of that is that sometimes I end up with a little bit of restless energy. You know, I have this desire to do something and have this energy that needs an outlet. And I reminded myself uh, this week that one excellent way to deal with that restless energy is just, well, just write something, just do some Mm -hmm. writing, let that turn it into creative thinking. And Mm -hmm. I did. And I managed to write uh, a thousand words in like a day. Wow. And I'm just very pleased with that. You know? Yeah, that's a lot of words. That's a lot of writing. It, it This was for a thing that I had been thinking about for quite some time. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, I already had an idea of more or less what I wanted to write. And mm-hmm. so that it helped a lot that I I knew how I wanted it to go. It's not finished yet. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping to finish it soon. But I got a big chunk of that done. And I'm pretty pleased with that, at least. Oh, yeah. That's a huge chunk of writing. That's got to be really satisfying. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it also just feels nice to do writing and feel motivated to do so. Yeah. Well, you and I have talked about this in the past that, you know, sometimes it's difficult to find inspiration. And sometimes you have inspiration and it's hard to find motivation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're not always in the same room together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You just have to, as a writer, train yourself when you have them seize that. Yes, absolutely. What about you? Well, the holiday season is here, and I'm not a huge Christmas light fan. Um, As in, I I, I like looking at them, and uh, I definitely enjoy them on other people's houses, but I've never been one to hang them on my house because it's incredibly time-intensive and quite difficult to do <laughs> you you're not one of those people that has like a thousand lights all around the house and then the yard and then on the little sculptures and all that all that <laughs> nope. stuff nope <laughs> absolutely not but i do have two sets two small sets of uh just like plain white christmas lights mm-hmm. and i went out in my yard this week on a snowy day and uh standing on a stool and uh, with a couple accurate throws, I was able to hang them up on our hawthorn bush and slowly wrap them around it. And it was time intensive, and uh, I did stick myself with a couple thorns, but it was worth oh, it. No. it <laughs> it's really nice to have a tree out front that has some Christmas lights on it. It does look quite magical. Um, <laughs> and so I'm I'm happy I was able to do that. And I've been enjoying it when I go out in the evenings and when I come back home. Well, that's lovely. Yeah, and the the thing about Christmas lights, and this is kind of true for holiday decorations in general, but they're not just for you, they're for other people. And 
that that's kind of the best argument uh, against me being lazy and not hanging them up on my house proper. But it's kind of sharing the holiday spirit with other people by by decorating in that way. And I, I kind of like that aspect of it. So I've done my part. I've got one uh, nicely lit hawthorn bush in, in front of the house. So, I mean, they're also just pretty. Oh, yeah. I I do like... I do personally really enjoy the multicolored light sets. I do too. The only other, we had clear ones, mm-hmm. clear white ones, and then we had purple ones. But my wife hates purple, so those ones are not going up. <laughs> okay, then. Just the clear ones. So, this episode is going to be an interesting one, and maybe a slightly unusual one. Hmm. So... I wanted to start this episode by explaining how this episode came about. Mm, please do. Malik and I were just like hanging out, chatting. At some point, I happened to mention this concept that I happened to know. I think you would call it the Magic the Gathering Player Psychographics, which is basically this concept that this company, Wizards of the Coast, came up with to mm-hmm. sort of broadly um, categorize uh, their players and sort of what they wanted out of the game and what would appeal to them. And I had sort of made this Google Doc summary of it and sort of, you know, t- speaking about it. And I just shared it with Malachi. It's like, hey, this is a neat idea. This is a cool concept. You might like it. Yeah, I liked it. And he did. In fact, he liked it he liked it so much that he insisted that we make an episode about this whole thing. Yes. So this is all my fault. Why though? <laughs> <laughs> well, um I think everybody growing up in some fashion has taken a personality test. Um the most common is the Myers-Briggs personality test. I'm, sh- I'm assuming you've done that before, Nick. I had a friend who sort of made me take it by answering questions and they gave mm-hmm. me a result. I'll be honest, I was not really interested in it. I'm like, eh, it's not my kind of thing. Yeah. Well, it's uh, at least in the US, it's, it's popular. I mean, I did it in school uh, multiple times growing up. But if anybody digs into personality tests, they're not really scientific in any (laughs) way shape or form no they're not (laughs) and it's really just a horoscope in a different form Mm -hmm. Um, some would say a more palatable version of the horoscope but there's something about horoscopes and personality tests that kind of captures the human uh, imagination and humans love putting things into categories and so of course we want to put ourselves into categories Mm mm-hmm we, we kind of want to have a taxonomy for our personalities in a sense. Yeah, because it, it in a way, it, it does simplify it and make it easier to understand. Oh, I'm this kind of person and you are that kind of person. So even though these are not scientific in the slightest, mm-hmm. um, they're fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so for me, uh, Nick, when I heard you tell me about Magic the Gathering psychographic uh, profiles, I was just like, this is so interesting. And I would love to think about this in the context of one of my favorite games, Star of Providence. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm like, sure, this could be an interesting episode idea, you know. And I think for me, the episode really started clicking when it was. It, I stopped thinking just about describing these profiles and saying what they're like, but mm-hmm. when I started thinking about what does the game Surf Providence give to each of these profiles that appeals to them, you know. How, you know, what do all these types of players find appealing about this game? And that's when I'm like, okay, here's a, now we have an interesting idea for an episode. Yeah. When you think about them in the context of Magic the Gathering, um, and we'll go into the context in just a minute, but they're not completely accurate. But I think having big categories that you can sort players into, you know, generalized categories is is interesting. And it's a uh, even if it's just as a thought experiment. Well, I think it's also a thing that uh, is an to some extent, this is a known concept in the world of of game development in that you have all these genres, but also all these mechanics and features Mm-hmm. which can be made to appeal to certain types of players when you think this feature is not meant to make everyone happy but is attempting to give a subset of players something that they love about it. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the ways it has been phrased is that the whole, the point of the game is not to make something that is loved by everyone but that there, there's always going to be somebody who's going to love any particular part of your game. Yeah. So it is something that game developers are aware of, and mm. stuff like these profiles just can help, sort of help guide or inform in broad terms what they can sort of implement to achieve that. Mm-hmm. So to start... First of all, I need to sort of make it clear. This is on the we're taking the model that was employed by Wizards of the Coast as was developed for the game Magic the Gathering. And yes. originally the definitions were very much specific to that game in terms of like, oh, this kind of character wants to play big creatures, this kind of character wants to perform certain card combos and stuff like that. And that's perfectly fine. But for me, what I wanted to do was to take these categories and try to broaden their definition such that they could be applied to more games in general and applied more broadly while still Mm -hmm. preserving the core of what each profile once and Mm -hmm. more importantly as in magic the gathering none of these categories are mutually exclusive players can be and often are combinations of these in various different ways and most importantly these are not scientific none of these are prescriptive models none of these are things you must abide by yeah it's just for fun it's a fun exercise and just you know how you where in this model you know what are you or where you are but don't take it too seriously yeah please don't get mad 
<laughs> yeah, please don't. So, Nick, do you want to talk a little bit about these profiles in the context of Star of Providence? For clarification, I will I will be firstly using the names that they were given Magic the Gathering, mm-hmm. and then we'll be I'll be introducing a second name for them, which is a Star of Providence-esque name that Malachi came up with and that I think are a fun little flair or addition to add to them. Yeah. We had to we had to make them Star Providence esque. That's what we do. <laughs> so the first profile is the Timmy Tammy, or as we have called it, the Seal Seeker. And these are the players who want to feel something. Mm-hmm. They want dramatic moments. They want all those highs of a game. They want big moments and big encounters and powerful and dramatic things. So in the case of Star of Providence, for example, this would be the big boss encounters. Stuff like, you know, Overlord, Machine, Monolith, Database, Chaos oh, God. Yeah. The the big powerful creatures that, you know, stand in front of you and make you feel awe at their power and immensity and now you have to defeat them. Yes. And Star of Providence does a really good job of presenting the bosses. There's a very good dramatic flair in Star of Providence. Yeah, it it definitely, it's the combination of a lot of different factors that makes the presentation and the impact it has on the player very dramatic. And mm-hmm. the whole point is to leave a lasting impression. It's like, oh my goodness, what is this? <laughs> yes. And also, uh, the Seal Seekers also like whatever tools they can find that make them feel powerful as well. Mm. So things like, for instance, unique weapons. Like Iron Fist. Iron Fist, (laughs) it's a very good weapon. Or like Genocide, another very flashy weapon. Yes. And... You know, it makes them feel powerful, these unique, bespoke, rare weapons, or perhaps even activating quickening. They oh, yeah. There's a musical sting and an explosion, and it's just, they, they crave those highs of every game. Mm-hmm. And I think most importantly, the Seal Seekers, to them, whether they win or lose is not really the most important thing. What they care about more is like, is the game itself intense and impactful and dramatic? And if the answer to that is yes, whether they win or lose is secondary. Mm-hmm. So they can find a run satisfying whether they win or not. Yeah. If the if they feel like the run has successfully delivered those highs, they they don't want to feel apathy they mm-hmm. don't want to feel bored or like the game is not trying to grab their attention. Next up, we we have what would be called the Johnny or Jenny, or as we have called it, the Rune Carver. And these are the players who want to express something. These are the mm-hmm. players that crave personal expression. 
they crave customizability and they want to have many options available to them. Mm, yes. Now, when when Malik and I sort of sat down and discussed these these profiles in preparation for the episode, we both agreed that out of all the profiles, this is perhaps the one that our providence caters to the least mm. out of all of them. Yeah, and you know what's interesting is just in the past couple of days in the Discord, in mm -hmm. suggestions, there have been rune carvers <laughs> coming out saying, hey, what if there was more customization? What if there were cu uh, lore-adjacent custom skins and mm -hmm. uh, things like that? So, you know, I think that there is a hunger for more customization. I feel it is the... It is the thing that some players feel is lacking in some sense because, sure, you can switch up, you know, the carpet and the banners and the portrait in the hub. You can change the, the hat on the ghost, and mm -hmm. you do have some options, but it still all feels very limited. It feels like, well, not limited, but like there could be more. There could be more and more substantial options for the player. Mm -hmm. you know? Sure, you can play as a few different characters. You can choose whether you want Null or D13. If you come across a keyword stone, then you can build your own weapon, and you can have the weapon that you want, and so you're expressing your preferences and your choices. There mm -hmm. is some of that, but as you said it feels like uh, this is the one area in which the game could have a bit more there. Because the game has some customization in it, and mm -hmm. I think the customization that is there is done very well, mm -hmm. um, I think everyone automatically sees the potential that is there mm -hmm. for more customization. Um, so yeah, I, I agree. I think that's definitely something that could be added to the game in the future or expanded upon, and I, I hope that happens. I hope so too. It's just, it's always a neat addition. And even if, you know, it's one of those things like, even if a particular player is not like, eh, it doesn't, eh, they don't care, that's fine. Other players will see that and go like, ah, yes, that is exactly what I want. Oh, I love this game even more now. Yes. And I trust Team D13 to do a really good job with any customization they add to it. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think there would be any... Uh, world-breaking, <laughs> weird customization options. So, Yeah, they're not going to deliver duds. <laughs> yes. There aren't going to be any uh, like weird Fortnite crossovers or anything. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe I shouldn't speak too soon. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> the next one is what... MTG would call the Spike, mm -hmm. whereas uh, Malachi has decided the name for it should be the Scrap Runner. And these are the players that want to prove something. Now, traditionally, this is phrased as these are the players who want to win. They just mm -hmm. want to win, and how they do it is not all that important. I would broaden that definition a little bit to like, well, these are players who want to prove something. They want... They want to defeat particular challenges. They want to show what they're capable of. They mm. might want to compete against others. They may even want to win under specific conditions or restrictions to prove that they can do it. Mm -hmm. And this is something that the game does cater to well. 
there are many challenges you can do. You can create self-imposed challenges. You know, already the game has achievements for beat the game without equipping any weapons or uh, using any upgrades. You can combine both if you want. You can do something like a limping run in which you don't even move manually. Yeah. Well, this, I think Star of Providence very clearly appeals to scrap runners, um, to this kind of player. Um, there's actually been a recent example mm -hmm. on the I Discord know. as well in Horizon <laughs> the Untouchable. <Yep. laughs> For those who would like some context, Horizon is a relatively new player to the community who mm -hmm. has very quickly made a very mighty name for himself for beating bosses on mild without getting hit even once and using no bombs proving to everyone that he can defeat bosses without taking any damage yes so they were recently given a special title in the mm -hmm. discord which is something high level players um have been known to earn in the team d13 discord i, mean, I, I will say there's also some roles are just giving out as a joke so you know i that's not the metric i would use but i would say this is definitely a player who has earned their name and their title for it absolutely and there's many different ways one can prove themselves you know if you want you can go for the highest loop you can go for an all super bosses run you can go for score runs you can get the watch you can do what I did, which is just speed run the game way past the point where the game reasonably expects you to do so and just keep <laughs> going. Yeah. And this is stuff that Monorail and Sprint would appeal to because it is a competitive environment. And now you're going up against other people and the scrap runners like competition. It is motivating to them. The, the fact that the community has come up with so many self-imposed challenges just mm -hmm. shows that, you know, Star Providence appeals very, very strongly to this group of players, to scrap runners. Not only that it appeals to them, but it, it has the mechanics and features available that allow them to create these challenges. Like, mm -hmm. like it, like there's many things you can do and there's many different options for challenges to prove yourself like i've proven that i can do beat the game like this now i can prove prove something even more so originally these were the three profiles roughly that mtg came up with mm -hmm. and then they added two more when they realized that they needed to add another dimension to this uh, system to help des describe the players even better so we're going to have two more profiles to add again you can combine these however you want mm -hmm. the next one is what mtg calls vorthos and what malachi has called sky watcher and sort of these are the players that have that appreciate the aesthetics of the game or have an aesthetic appreciation. And this mm -hmm. comes in many forms. They like the visuals. They like the music. They like the lore. 
They like mm-hmm. the art. Basically, anything that is not mechanical or gameplay focused, but just everything else that contextualizes and makes the experience more vivid. These are the players that really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Star of Raven is, is a game that very clearly appeals to Skywatchers mm-hmm. um, because Star of Providence gets a lot of people right from the get-go with its presentation. Mm-hmm. Um, that was certainly the case for me because I saw the game uh, trailer on Twitter that it was shared by Moppin. Um, I clicked through and immediately just loved the presentation. Not only the pixel graphics, mm-hmm. but the music grabs people immediately as well. Um, and then as you play through the game, you know, it's a story that slowly reveals itself as you're paying attention. Um, mm-hmm. As players start to piece that together, I think Sky Watchers in particular find that extremely rewarding. Yeah, I would say that part of the success of this game is that the members of T- Team D13 care a lot about their craft and about crafting a high quality experience. So mm-hmm. the music and the art and the story, the writing are all delivered with such care and deliberation. Like they are all, all of these pieces are working together to create a game that is more than just the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. And player, and you know, this is what the Skywatchers crave. They want all of these things working together to make just an experience. These are the people who are, uh, they can't help themselves but make fan art or to be inspired by the game to create more art. They just, Mm -hmm. they love it. They love what they see. And, you know, they just gush about it. And that's great. We (laughs) want people gushing about this game and how beautiful it is in all its ways. Absolutely. What's the last one, Nick? The last one is what was originally called the Melvin but that we are calling the terminal hacker. Mm. So in contrast to the Vorthos or the Skywatcher, who is a player that appreciates the aesthetic elements of the game, the terminal hacker appreciates the mechanical elements of the game. Mm-hmm. So all of the things that game them, that make the game work as like a game, as a system. You know, mm-hmm. The type of player who is deeply interested in researching the mechanics or things like how do these things interact, you know, kind of player that goes to wikis and looks up exact damage values and intervals and all of this hard game data. Mm. These are the players that love to explore what do the rules of the game allow them to do? What interesting results can they get from it? You know, uh, as just an example, this is a, a wonderful little example that my that our, my friend Lilac, aka Taylor, came up with was that, hey, if you have Scrap Runner, and you have a gold bomb, you can use the gold bomb in the middle of a of a big bu- bullet pattern, and it will instantly refill your Scrap Runner meter. That's oh, like that's awesome, a mechanical combination that's very interesting. Another one that. Uh, my friend Laura noticed pretty quickly. It's like, hey, if you have Autobomb and extra POW, 
you kind of mm -hmm. have like this safety uh, system where every three rooms you can take one hit for free and you lose no health. That's mm -hmm. not a mechanical combination. A synergy. Yeah, synergy. Thank you. That is exactly the right word. Mm -hmm. The Terminal Hacker loves mechanical synergies and they love exploring what all these things can do. You know, These would be, in a sense, kind of perhaps the scientists of the community, the ones who are really looking into things and seeing what's possible. So the rutabagas, the lilacs, and the nicks. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do think I fit this parameter. I wouldn't call myself a scientist. I'm just a guy who has played the game so much that mm. I have a very deeply rooted understanding of of how the game works like mm. how all the weapons and all of the keywords interact what makes some of them good what makes some of them bad how to exploit them to do as much damage as possible you know yeah these are the players who just they just love to tinker and see what they can accomplish okay yeah i think for terminal hackers they will also find a lot to love in star of providence because um, like you said, Team G13, they really care about their craft. Mm -hmm. And one thing that is pretty fascinating about hanging out in the Team G13 Discord is we are able to interact directly with the devs. And mm -hmm. every once in a while, uh, Pure <laughs> will descend and uh, kind of talk us through some of the thinking behind the mechanics. And mm -hmm. uh, whether you're able to keep up or not, what becomes immediately apparent is how much thought goes into the mechanics of the game itself. And for me, that's been a really rewarding experience. I'm not able to think about and process mechanics on that level personally, mm -hmm. but it's still just absolutely fascinating to see them talk through that process. I think the way I would say it is that you may not like a particular decision that pure or alex might make in terms of the gameplay but you can rest assured that it was not thoughtless mm -hmm. it is something that they deliver upon this is their vision for what the game should be like and they have the reasons why they do it so even if you don't like it it's not because they were careless it's just they have their own opinions about what the game should be like I should say, as as just a brief aside, mm -hmm. but whenever I would do races for monorail, I feel like this is the part of me that shines the most because I am the type of player that is constantly thinking about all of these game elements and interacting with each other and trying to maximize how much I can get out of them. Mm -hmm. So, because when you're racing, you're not taking the time to really appreciate all of the hard work that went to make crafting the aesthetics of the experience, but you are laser focused on the mechanics of the game and using them as thoroughly as possible. So yeah, there's definitely proof that this game will appeal to you if you are a terminal hacker. Mm. And now that we've discussed all of these things, uh, it's only natural to be like, well, what are you, Malachi? Well, I am a Timmy Vorthos. So um, like Nick mentioned in the beginning, you know, most players, 
not even most, all players are some sort of combination of these mm-hmm. categories. I am a Timmy Vorthos or a seal seeking sky watcher in our mm-hmm. star Providence parlance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I am absolutely about big dramatic moments mm-hmm. and that really appeals to me with star Providence. I love the story. I love the ups and downs of it. Um, obviously I've written about it and talked about it at this point for hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I'm also a sky watcher just because I love the aesthetic um, the presentation of the game. I love the, the, uh, the late motifs in the game, in mm-hmm. the music. Um, uh, there's also recurring visual motifs that we have talked about, you know, mm-hmm. the dual spires with one being damaged, mm-hmm. uh, on null on the machine, on the spires of the facility themselves. Um, and then just mm-hmm. the way the story is told and how it leaves me a lot of room to kind of fill in the gaps with my imagination. I love all that. Yeah. So, I'm a seal seeking sky watcher, which sounds kind of like an insult. <laughs> you seal seeking sky watcher. I think it sounded kind of cool, but okay, <laughs> sure. Just sounds like something you would call somebody. But Nick, what about you? Well, I think it came through pretty clearly in the descriptions just now, but I am a Melvin Spike or a terminal hacker scrap runner. Mm-hmm. I have a deep mechanical appreciation for this game is what I have spent a lot of my time trying to master. I love knowing how the game works in the, on a nitty gritty level. Like what are the weapons? What are the keywords? You know, what are this, all Mm -hmm. the synergies, you know, what are all the ways I can take advantage of all of these game elements? I, like I said, when I did, when I do racing, I am fully committing myself to, getting as much as I can out of that and really try to squeeze performance out of all of this mechanical knowledge. Mm -hmm. And also I am a spike because I like challenges. I like competition. I like proving to myself and to others that I can do certain things. You don't say. Yeah. (laughs) That's why on my channel, I have a lot of videos about me just doing star of providence runs and they might seem a bit excessive or unnecessarily difficult but i kind of just like proving to others that hey you can beat this game real fast if you know what you're doing you Mm -hmm. can beat this game limping all the way you can do it without using all of these mechanics you Mm -hmm. know and it seems kind of and it's just it's pretty, yeah. It's pretty clear. I just like proving t- that I can accomplish things <laughs> it, on the back of all of this mechanical knowledge that I have built up over, over well, over a thousand and five hundred hours of playtime. I'm very intimately familiar with it and how to use that. Yeah. So a quick tangent. Mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you this. Uh huh. You are familiar with the Tetris effect, yes? Yeah. So, have you ever in your waking life heard the music or sound effects from Star Providence just, just out of nowhere in this? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it has happened unintentionally. I certainly okay. do think about the game a lot, even when I'm not playing. Mm-hmm. I don't think it has ever happened. Like, I should say, I I 
I have been and still to some extent am an avid Tetris player. So I have in some sense literally experienced the Tetris effect in that I will sometimes find myself stacking pieces in my head. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not actually playing it, but in my head I'm still imagining placing all the pieces in such a way. And so, you know, again, I don't think it has happened unintentionally with Star of Providence, but I've definitely thought about it. And I certainly, especially if I'm in a period of time where I'm doing a lot of beta testing, I'm contemplating a lot of like, what would happen if I tried this and then this or combining this and that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, that's why I wanted to ask you, because when you spend that much time playing a game, it sometimes it does start to bleed over into reality in really, in my opinion, satisfying ways. I first learned of the Tetris effect when I was actually playing Zelda a lot as a mm-hmm. kid. And, uh, you know, you can charge up Link's sword and then spin mm-hmm. and he goes, yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember once being at the playground as a kid and I just kept I kept hearing, I could swear I could hear like off in the distance, I could hear Link going, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, I played that game a lot. <laughs> mm. And uh, a friend of mine said, oh, yeah, that's the Tetris effect. Mm-hmm. Anyway, now okay. that we've talked about these categories, we've talked about what we are, what kind of player are you? Are you a seal seeker, a rune carver, scrap runner, sky watcher, terminal hacker? Or what kind of combination of these are you? Or maybe there's another column that you've thought of yourself. Let us know. I should say, I will re- repeat, these categories, you know, maybe when you think about Star Providence, you don't, you're not quite sure. But if you try to sort of apply these categories to other games, maybe then you have a more clear understanding of like, oh, no, wait, yeah, based on how I play these other games, this is what kind of player I am. So mm-hmm. feel free to sort of take this framework and apply it to other games you play in just remember don't take it too seriously it's just for fun but if you do know what kind of player you are and you do want to tell us about it uh, we'll be happy to have a conversation about that yeah you know one thing i just realized is um depending on the game you also might be a different combination of these different profiles that's true well, it could also lend itself to the question of like, do different games by their construction sort of incentivize particular types of behavior or particular types of players mm-hmm. to flock to them? Yeah. I mean, perhaps, as we said, we feel that the rune carvers are not catered to as much, and maybe that's why we might see a bit of disparity in the in the distribution and mm-hmm. maybe in other communities they have a completely different distribution of players well the one example i can think of for myself is uh when i play downwell mm-hmm. i am a scrap runner terminal hacker <laughs> <laughs> which is very different from the reason uh, from the kind of player i am when i play star providence so that's kind of interesting to think about as well yeah. But next, right, you can take these profiles and apply them to other games as well. But anyway, any thoughts you have, anything you want to contribute to the conversation, we'd be happy to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thanks so much for listening to our Star Providence fan cast. 
Big thanks to Garoslaw for allowing us to use his music and sound effects. Be sure to check out all of the Surf Providence soundtracks on Garoslaw's Bandcamp. The base game soundtrack, the Relics of the Past soundtrack, and the 5th Anniversary Edition soundtrack. If you've got any comments or suggestions for us, you can reach out on the Discord server. We'll post the server link in the show description. And there you'll find fellow palace to talk with and discuss the show. Thanks for listening. We'll hope you'll join us next time. This is what you came for, isn't it? So be it.